0: Hi, I'm Daniel Patterson, and you're listening to Gut Talks. Double G, U, double T.
1: Does it come with gut, W G U W T with your gut feeling? Because for me, one of the, you know, the key moments where is when I started listening to my gut, at least, I'm going to say trust 100%, but really listen. And that was a big step. But how, what's your relationship with your gut feeling?
0: Yeah, your gut feelings change over time. And I think that comes with the experience, seeing and listening and learning. But your gut feeling, your gut instinct is, yeah, you've got to listen, don't you? You've got to give it a go. I mean, I wouldn't say blindly trust your gut, but I'd say, okay, take your gut feelings and let's have a chat with some people you trust and see okay am I mad or am I mad not to do this and at the end of the day if you go with your gut feeling you're going with what you're maybe not only just passionate about but you're going with something that you believe in so that's going mm-hmm. to stand up and it's going to stand a test of time as well you know if you go with something that instinctively is a big risk perhaps to your business or taking a big step of faith as we talked about you're going to see it through because it's been built within you mm-hmm. if you're doing something that somebody's suggesting that's a good idea, but it goes against your gut. You might give it a go once, and that's going to fall apart quickly.
1: How is it? Because you also, obviously, you do design work, and when you have to make some decisions, I'm going to simplify here: red or blue, or you know, a circle or rectangle. Sometimes <laughs> you are facing challenges that might be so basic, but you just can't make a decision. How do you deal with this?
0: This is where the branding master plan comes yes, into play. Yeah, now. <laughs> there you go, fishing for that as a client, especially as client being presented with designs, or if you think that you. You can pick up a pencil and give something a go yourself. Without a lot of context in place, our ability to make decisions becomes almost purely speculative and purely subjective on our own preferences and so if I'm a designer for example and I just love pink circles and that's my favourite thing in the world, then you might find that that crops up in your designs quite a lot, right? That for me is not good design. That is so subjective and it might be actually going against what the business needs and So there's this conversation that needs to be had And it's how can you transition From subjective to objective And I feel that design is not Fluffy, if it's subjective it's not Design, it's in the art space Now art is a wonderful place And space for subjective expression For exploring feelings And personality, but design Not only has to do that But it's got a job to perform It has to perform, it's got a Function that needs to Bring a return, you know, and this is where the journey of architecture then comes into our philosophy at highly because if we design a pretty gorgeous looking building but when you send it to the structural engineer it's impossible to actually stand up or it'll get easily blown over in the wind well then it's that's not good design that's terrible design you know even though it looks pretty so there's this form and function that need to come together right so how do we do that in a business well this is where brand strategy comes in it's where planning things out it's bringing context together. So the journey through the branding master plan, I suppose just to say a little bit about that, it's a workshop framework that you can take that will bring you structure and not just your brand structure, but when you bring designers on board, they've got really, really clear boundaries to work within. And what I mean by clear boundaries is we don't dictate to the designer that we need blue squares. But if we've got a really good story in place, if we've got a really good structure, and philosophy in place for our brand a really good designer will be able to interpret that and say a blue square is perfect design outcome that's going to help move your brand in the direction that we want to move it in what does that structure look like what does the branding master plan look like well really actually what we do is we focus and look at three different aspects that every business whether you like it or not you are subjected to these three subjects and if you do not design and create and craft this each of these three areas then your customers will do it your clients will do it your competition will drive you out of that space so it's being intentional about where you want to go so if you don't mind maria i'll, I'll tell you what those three things are yeah there we go one so the f- number one first thing that you need to be conscious of and perhaps these aren't in order they should go in tandem with each other but the first thing we'll look at is your company culture what is the company culture that you want to build what do you want to be known for you know within the branding master plan framework we will look at what are your core values what is your purpose for existing beyond financial reasons what is your vision of the future what does the future look like as a result of your business being present in this world what picture do you want to paint and determining and building your internal culture if you don't determine it your staff will determine it for you and so that can then create tension between leadership and even within leadership that can create a lot of tension and then with yeah, staff
1: it's- will alienate lots of people including clients and the staff
0: and well this sure. is say so i mean internally if the culture is not if it is not i suppose painted out and dictated to some degree by the senior leadership or the entrepreneur or the owner of the business then it's going to create and craft its own culture there's an enormous risk that that becomes extremely toxic yeah. and when you've got a toxic culture you cannot serve your clients and customers well it's impossible you know you can maybe have a mask and a facade on and you could put scripts in place and you can have a very specific sales process and maybe it's all digital but as soon as people start to see behind the scenes things fall apart and you lose trust and you lose confidence so getting your internal culture designing what that culture is going to look like is the first thing to do the second part is to then look at those customers who are you trying to attract you know what makes them tick what are their needs what are their pains that you can solve what is their personality like and you know we can talk about buyer personas that some people might be familiar with and but really without getting into technical detail how do we relate to our customers you know if our customers are primarily of a certain age demographic or they fit within a particular culture or if they're all I don't know CFOs within the tech space for example if that's the specific people that you're constantly working with get to know them really get to know them get under their skin take them out for meals you know get to spend time with these people do some research understand how can we best serve those types of people. Once we do that, then we can look at our competition and find ways and really study our competition to make sure that actually we're able to create a distinctive business that's different. How are we different from our competition? Because if we can't identify how we are significantly different from our competitors, how do we expect our customers to do that when they're doing the research? We can't. And so we end up just blending in with the crowd. A great classic example of this with Apple leading the way in the consumer and um, computer markets. There were a lot of of small computer firms and tech spaces that came up off the back of that and they saw Apple and they thought, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to replicate. If it works for Apple, we're going to replicate what they do because it clearly works for them. So we're going to do that too. But what we end up doing is creating a lot more confusion for our customers because now all of a sudden we're in a space where everybody looks the same. Everybody talks the same. Their shops feel the same. And we think that's a good mark of business is by being like the big boys in the business who are successful but actually we could be doing ourselves an extreme disservice and our clients and our customers at the same time. So putting all those three things together, our culture, our clients and our competition, we can use the framework of Branding Master Plan to build a brand strategy that allows us to build a distinctive brand that can connect emotionally and on an emotional level because we're relating our culture to the, you know, the internal values of our client. See, we're relatable. We can create that emotional connection and then build authority and credibility for our brand off the back of that. And once we've got all of these things working, we are going to shoot ourselves ahead into that unforgettable brand space, which, by the way, costs a whole lot less in marketing and advertising, a whole lot less. Without getting into the data of that, if you can create a brand that encapsulates all of those things, you don't need to spend as much money putting your brand in front of people in order for them to feel like your brand exists just for them. And yeah. you keep them and you retain them for longer. And so, I mean, I don't want to put a number to it, It is significantly less to advertise what I would call an unforgettable brand than it would be just to have a business and just start plowing money into advertising because there's a need for it.
1: Yeah. It starts with the gut. It ends with the gut. It's in your gut.
0: Gut Talks.
1: This is the end of this episode of this segment with Daniel Patterson. Thanks for listening and watch out for the next one.